You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and I am just thrilled to have you with us again this week. Well, everybody, I'll tell you one of the greatest things about getting to do this show is I get to see the inside of how a lot of this works in some of the great brands that I've grown to know and love over the years. And, of course, D&B Supply sells a lot of Carhartt products, and I have been using Carhartt products since way back in the 1990s, and I've still got a jacket that I'm using that I bought in 1999 when I was working on a cattle ranch down out of Minidoka, Idaho, and it still works perfect. It's still in great condition, and and so I wanted to profile this great brand, and as I started to research that, what I stumbled across was that this brand goes back to the late 1800s, and the the formation of the Carhartt brand is a really interesting story in terms of going out, seeing people who were doing true blue, honest, hands-on work every day who needed better products to make it easier for them to do that work. And that's exactly how Carhartt started, and it's a really fascinating story. And I decided, let's profile this brand, this great American brand, for all of you today, because I know all of you are enjoying Carhartts already, but you might not know the story behind why they make such great stuff. So what we're going to do today is start off with an interview with Dave Moore. Now, Dave has a really, really interesting job. He is the brand archivist and historian for Carhartt. So he knows all the history and is constantly looking for more history of Carhartt going all the way back to the beginning in 1889. So he's going to talk to us a lot about the history of this company. And then after we finish our interview with him, we're going to be speaking with Deb Ferraro, who is the vice president of product development. So we're going to go from old to new, and she's going to tell us about new products coming out and all the technology that goes into developing these great products that work so well for all of us today. So I think it's going to be a really interesting show. I had a great time speaking with both of these folks, and I hope you like it as well. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. (laughs) Well, I have really been looking forward to this interview. I use Carhartt on a daily basis on my farm in Idaho. And uh, I was just thinking about this interview this morning. I was out feeding. It was nine degrees, and I had on Carhartt bibs, Carhartt hooded sweatshirt. I was definitely warm and uh, dry because I was using Carhartt. And I was excited to to do this show because, you know, at DNB we have so much Carhartt, and it's such a popular and just a great brand. But it's a truly a great American company. And uh, you're going to help us figure that all out today and talk about that, right? Sure, of course. Yeah, you can't beat, uh, you can't beat 130 years of, uh, of history uh, operating here in the U.S. So uh, that's pretty awesome to, to do what I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really what I wanted to do in this episode is, is talk about the new things coming out, new innovations and things like that with Carhartt, but really spend a lot of time letting people who listen to our show get to know your company and your brand better because it's such a cool story. So what I'd like to do to start off, Dave, is can you just kind of introduce yourself to our audience and let them know what your job is there at Carhartt? Sure, yeah. Uh, Well, my name is Dave Moore, and I am the brand archivist and historian at Carhartt. 
which is a, is a long title, but more or less means that I take care of all of the company's um, historical artifacts, which can be, you know, up to pretty recent, too. I, mm-hmm. I kind of cover everything. And I also just kind of help activate anything that we're doing with company heritage, whether it's part of product or part of marketing or even stuff internally with HR. I kind of involved in it all. Well, what a really cool position. How did you get involved doing that? I actually was doing some contract work when it came to, to archives uh, and working for a company that actually works with a lot of um, corporate entities here around Detroit, kind of helping them get a handle on their history. And uh, Carhartt, about five years ago, was looking to organize and, and catalog and really get a better handle on all of the historical material they had because mm-hmm. they'd never had a formal archive. So I came in just initially as a contract worker to just kind of inventory everything and get it all figured out. And uh, just grew and blossomed into working directly for the company and, and being very involved and doing media as I'm doing now and, and just being involved in a lot of other ways. Very cool. And uh, you have a fantastic website with so many different stories and historical pieces on there. So it looks like you write quite a few of these, if, if not all. Yeah, I try to do, you know, depending on, on time constraints, I try to do about one a month. And um, we do features on our uh, Discover section of our website under the history page. And it's either me or uh, my interns that work with me that write the articles. I actually, the busier I get, the more they're having an opportunity to write those, which is great because they're all fantastic writers. So that's been a a great program to have as part of the the archive here at Carhartt. Yeah, it's great that you have so much history in the company that they need somebody like you to put it all together and to catalog it. I think that's, that's really cool. Well, let's talk about the history a little bit. So when and where did Carhartt begin? So Carhartt uh, was founded in 1889 here in Detroit. Um, So we operate now out of Dearborn, which is just outside Detroit. But basically, Hamilton Carhartt was our founder. Uh, He was a traveling salesman who really started to see the demand at that time for for overalls, quality overalls among railroad workers. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how he got his start was uh, providing, you know, uh, kind of a heavier duty overall that really was based on what these guys wanted. You know, it was, he was kind of an early adopter of consumer research. So he actually was talking to the guys on the railroad and getting their feedback and their, their complaints about where their current clothes were falling short. Mm-hmm. And he just rented a loft and bought a couple sewing machines and started uh, putting together his own design. And it kind of all came from there. Wow. And was he already versed in making clothing at that point? Or did he have to go out and, and learn how to do that as well? He had to go out and learn how to do it. His kind of first idea, so he was riding around uh, mid-Michigan on a, on a sales route, selling all sorts of kind of trade goods and things like that, which is where he saw the demand. So he originally attempted to just kind of buy some at wholesale and sell them, but of course he wasn't really giving, realized he wasn't giving the guys uh, what they were looking for as far mm-hmm. as a better garment. So that's when he started Designing things himself and, of course, turning to, uh, uh, we have kind of evidence of a lot of classified ads that he put out to recruit sewers. So he, he recruited mm-hmm. uh, women in Detroit to help him, you know, fig- figure all this stuff out because he couldn't do it on his own. Sure. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a, a collaborative effort like that to develop the, the first um, Carhartt overall. So what was deficient about the overalls that the railroad workers had and, and how did he fix that? Well, really, it was, you know, I mean, the big thing that's, you know, of course, we've always hung our hat on ever since these early years was just the durability of the fabric, making sure that not only did you have fabric that was heavy duty, but that the stitching, so we're always been, we've been famous for our triple stitch that we do on on most of our garments mm-hmm. that uh, 
reinforce the stitching. It was also just kind of pocket placement and, and all those things, you know, one of a, a key one for, for us was having uh, on the bib of the overall in the, in the front was having uh, a good place to easily get your pocket watch in and out, especially for the railroad. Mm-hmm. That was a key thing because they were constantly tracking their, not, not only their own hours, but the times of the trains and all these other things. So it was kind of, you know, uh, between construction, the quality of the fabric, the way it was specifically designed for that sort of profession, uh, all those things kind of came into it because really a, a lot of, you know, and certainly not all companies, but a lot of companies at that time, it was sort of, a lot of it was, you know, the bottom line. It was how, how cheaply can we make something to make the biggest margin off of it and that, and that kind of idea. Right. So, so he kind of resisted that and continually marketed his garments to say that you're never going to walk into a store and see that they're the cheapest on the rack, but you're going to get the highest quality and they're going to last you way longer than anything else. So that's kind of always been our, our key to our marketing and the way we talk about our product. And I think you just solved a mystery for me. I've got a pair... Of well, I've got two pairs of bibs. One the duck, the canvas, uh, really tough, and then one that's denim. And the denim pair, it's got I think that pocket watch hole in the front pocket still. And I've never been able to figure out what goes in there, but that's for a pocket watch, I think. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about so much on the current stuff. I'd, I'd have to see what what you're talking <laughs> about, but I know that pretty much. I mean, basically, if you see something that looks a little unusual, looks like a different kind of pocket or something like that, pretty much on any Carhartt garment all the way to today. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's a functional reason for everything. Yeah. <laughs> We've always been one to make sure that we weren't just putting stuff on there to look good or look unique. Sure. But really, there was a functionality to, to every piece. Well, as I, as I kind of scan through your website, and there's so much history here, there's no way we can cover it in one episode, but uh, <laughs> I, I see an article here from Doughboys to Double Fronts. So obviously something to do with World War One. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're actually kind of, we're doing a little celebration of that this year because we, it, was, it wasn't until later and during World War One, but Hamilton Carhartt actually converted a bunch of his factories over to producing uh, khaki goods for mm-hmm. the military during World War One, and, you know, and support personnel and all sorts of different things. So there was a whole series of ads that we did during World War One, sort of talking about the fact we were making materials for the military and for support personnel. Uh, and we even kind of, so it was later in the war, it was about 1918 that we were sort of full bore providing things for the military. So we sort of, we released a couple new styles of pants this year and, and did some marketing that harkened back to sort of the hundredth anniversary of us uh, producing for uh, World War One. Of course, that was, now I'm, I'm saying this year, that was in 2018. So that right. was our fall campaign. Right. But yeah, we, uh, we produced for the military in World War One. We produced for them in World War Two as well. There's kind of a, a key history there. So we sort of, uh, that was around the time during World War One that we really started, you know, kind of investing uh, uh, fully in making pants or what, what we're called a lot of the times waist overalls mm-hmm. in addition to overalls. And so it kind of was sort of the beginning of a much, you know, another huge piece of our business all the way till today. Waist overalls. I've never heard pants referred to that way. That's that's interesting. Yeah, they w- they would have like uh, buttons, you know, built in along the front to securely attach suspenders, you know, instead of just clipping them on to actually attach the suspenders to a button. Uh-huh. So it was kind of a, a pseudo overall. So we would refer to them as waist overalls for a long time, actually, probably well into the to even the 1960s. I think we were still referring to them as waist overalls. Really so. interesting. All right, well, let's do this. I need to take a quick break. I've got a million questions for you in just limited time. So I'm going to take a break. And we'll come back, and I want to I talk about uh, product development over the years, okay? 
All right, sounds good. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Balin Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Balin Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Balin Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Balin Country at DNB Supply. All right, Dave. Well, now that we're back, one of the questions I had that I wanted to get an answer to was what were the first products sold? But I know that now in terms of the of the overalls for the railroad workers. But then how did things start to evolve? What products got added to the Carhartt line from 1889 on up through, say, the First World War? Well, basically what it was, was you start getting into really, you know, I kind of have sparse catalogs from the early years, but you start to get around 1900 um, through 1910, and you really just see us, everything just starts to sort of balloon. Uh, we get into pants. Uh, there's actually was an extensive line of different styles of pants that we were making in different fabrics, whether it be denim or twill or the, you know, the duck that we're now famous for, mm-hmm. um, but also jackets really our, our chore coat, which uh, we still make today, that kind of classic Carhartt button front coat um, that's, you know, probably more associated with, with the farm and things than maybe industrial work. Mm-hmm. But um, that was originally uh, developed in the 1910s, was, well, was introduced in 1917. So that kind of became the staple coat. So you really start seeing a lot of these things come in as we get in those years sort of leading up to the kind of roaring 20s. We start to expand our line into having the classic overalls, but also growing our other offerings in outerwear and bottoms. You know, vests start to come in. Really, it's interesting because a lot of the this sort of outfits that workers wore back at the time, and some of these catalogs, they almost even look like somewhat formal in a way because a lot of the guys were wearing the, you know, the waist overalls or and having, you know, a work-type work, work type vest on with a, with a jacket that kind of had almost a you know, some of them even having almost a, a suit jacket kind of look to them. So it was it was kind of a, it could be a classy look too, in a way that was a durable product. But yeah, we really started getting into marketing it rather than just selling overalls to selling what we called combination suits, which basically meant you would buy a pair of overalls and something like our chore coat together mm-hmm. as sort of a, a work suit in a way. That was kind of the big growth there. Did the use by farmers, did that start right away or did that take some time after the first items for the railroad workers were invented? I mean, I certainly can't say, you know, 100% that it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm certain it was used on farms, but really as far as a target market for us, um, that grew as we kind of went into the 20s and 30s. And, you know, we were really still real full bore advertising, you know, mainly to railroad workers. But as you, you see a change in the marketing, as you start to get in, I would say the 30s through the 50s, we really started to grow in farming mm-hmm. and also also in industrial, you know, like work, especially as, you know, cities, you know, skyscrapers began to rise and cities began to grow. You know, we got more involved in industrial work and construction, that kind of stuff. 
So it, it kind of came as, as you moved into the sort of, I mean, honestly, sort of into the, into the depression years in a mm-hmm. way. And, and a part of that was because we moved a lot of our production from Detroit to, to Kentucky after the depression hit. Mm-hmm. And that sort of just being producing in proximity to a lot more, you know, core farmland, not to say, of course, we have many proud farmers here in Michigan as well. Mm-hmm. But really, as you started to expand the production down there, the farming marketing really seemed to grow at that time. Now, it's interesting. Every great entrepreneur has a story of starting off and doing things just exactly uh, how Carhartt started getting out, talking to people one on one and coming up with an idea and making it work. It's, it's a great story. But then as things develop and the business grows and it gets busier, then it's more and more difficult for the owner, for the creator to take on that role. So as things developed over the years and there was more and more Carhartt being used in industry and then more and more Carhartt being used in farming and then and even branching into outdoors and hunting and fishing and all that type of stuff, how did Carhartt continue to get that feedback from customers for what they were looking for and where improvements could be made and what new products were needed? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a really great question, actually. And I think it was, you know, there, there was something that was sort of established by Hamilton, not only in the beginning, his, you know, direct one-on-one conversations, but he also, you know, I, and I have a lot of the correspondence to back this up. I mean, he developed a really strong system with his salesmen and he wrote all the time, you know, in his, in his sales force, he wrote all the time about how he knew how important they were to Carhartt and, and how, you know, I believe there's a quote from him saying that we would, we would fail a lot quicker without me than we would without our sales force. So I think it was that constant connection and making sure, you know, in a lot of the correspondence, he always made sure that not only did they have an eye on, you know, selling and getting things on the shelves in the stores, but that they were also paying attention to where, where he could, you know, to communicate to him where there were opportunities to expand and Mm -hmm. to grow and to get into different markets. So as you go through the history of the company, you know, the, the sales team was so key, you know, it really wasn't until the eighties or nineties that our team here at, you know, kind of our headquarters started to grow and get larger. So much of the company was out on the road they were sort of tasked to be both sales and also to keep an eye on trends and keep an eye on where there were opportunities so they could communicate them back. I know one example, if you get even really recent, was in the early 1990s, there was the growth of a lot of this Southwest wear, this stuff that was had a lot of these kind of Aztec sort of patterns yeah. in it. And it was very popular in the, in you know, and it was our salesman in the Southwestern region who, you know, communicated back to the company saying, hey, this is really growing. If we took some of our just standard styles and started adding these accents or these things to it, it would, you know, could be really popular down here. And they ended up selling, you know, really well for a number of years. So you kind of see that way that, you just sort of task everyone with keeping an eye on things and, and, and seeing where the opportunities were. It just kind of became something that was sort of endemic to the way that everybody operated in mm-hmm. the company. Really interesting. Well, let's do this. I need to take another break, but I've got to ask you about Brown Duck and, and when that how that all came about because it's such a sure. great product. I want to know more, all right? Of course. Okay. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force. 
The line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. At DNB Supply, we know that what's inside counts. That's why we dish out Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Grower Feed. Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed has an exclusive blend of nutrients to support a chick's immune system and overall health, even preventing coccidiosis. Raise healthy chicks with Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed. Available now at your favorite D&B. All right, Dave. So I, I want to ask you about brown duck, black duck, you know, that great material. I've also got to ask you about the business model. So I was working as herdsman on a cattle ranch in southern Idaho back in 1999, and I bought a black Carhartt quilted insulated duck jacket for working out there on the ranch. It's a great jacket. And now that I have my own farm up near Boise in Cuna, Idaho, I still use the same jacket on the farm. How can you stay in business making quality items that good that I never need to buy another one? <laughs> you know what? Another, yeah, yet again, you've given me a great question. In the end, I think what happens is, you know, and, and a lot of this is just sort of me spitballing a little bit. Of this is, you know, somewhat out of my knowledge. But uh-huh. I think what I observe is the fact that, yeah, you're not going to buy a new one. But how many different people are you telling about how great your your new Carhartt jacket is or, or you know, your 10-year-old Carhartt jacket is and the fact that it's still holding up yeah. and that you never, you know, you haven't had to buy a new one. I think really that's that's an idea that, that again, I mean, it's, it's nice being a historian for a company like this because I get to make these connections. That, uh-huh. That's still the focus today, I think, is relying on that word of mouth that, you know, you're going to get more sales because people who don't have one are going to go get one because their buddy's telling them they've, he's had it for 10 years and it, it's, you know, taking every piece of punishment he could throw at it and it's still, still doing well. I mean, you can go all the way back to the 1920s. Hamilton was publishing testimonials from people that had been buying Carhartt since the beginning of the company. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about how long it lasted and all that stuff. So I think the reliance was not so much on this, you know, planned obsolescence of you got to go get a new <laughs> one in two years. Right. It was, you're going to tell everybody about how great it is and all these guys who don't have it are going to go buy it. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's the business model at least uh, from what I see especially historically. Well, and I don't even have I don't even have the excuse of vanity to go buy a new one because now after 20 years of wearing it, it's broken. It's it shows evidence yeah. that I actually work for a living and uh, it looks it looks great that way. I don't want one that's brand new. I want one that shows people that I work. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of folks out there now who will pay a ton of money on a, you know, at a, at a vintage clothing store or something to to get one that, that looks like they've been working in it for 20 years. So. <laughs> That's right. Well, very interesting. Well, let's talk about the duck fabric. So how, sure. did that, how did that come about? What's interesting is the company started, it was, you know, in 1889, they were all, everything was, was denim or, or a striped denim of some kind, you know, and it was just cotton dyed with indigo. So... You get to the point that um, what had actually happened was indigo had become extremely expensive, the natural dye, and Germany had actually become the largest producer of synthetic indigo. Mm-hmm. So come World War One, all of a sudden, uh, Hamilton's scratching his chin because, of course, he can't get it anymore. Yeah. So the solution was actually a little bit inventive. It was to start sourcing this dye actually from South America that was made out of the, the bark of a certain type of tree. It was called Kutch Brown. And he used the same type of fabric he'd been using and dyeing with the indigo, this, this duck, this real tightly woven 
cotton fabric. I mean, really, that's what that's what the idea is behind duck. Is it's just this? It's a cotton fabric, but it's extremely tightly woven, so it's more durable than ever. And started dyeing it with this brown dye that he was getting, and of course. This thing born out of wartime necessity ends up becoming the iconic color and sort of mark of of Carhartt. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of an interesting origin story. And there's some interesting articles from that time, especially by our plant manager who um, worked in Atlanta, where he's talking about, you're going to love the brown. Don't worry. You know, it's the same quality. It's all this, you know, kind of being seemed sort of nervous about it. And it turns out to be the thing that ends up defining sort of the look of the company for the next, you know, over a hundred years. So And that material to me it seems it seems tougher than denim. Am I am I imagining that or is that right? Well it you know, it has to do with the weave. So it's gonna be a much tighter much tighter weave. It's got it's got definitely a more durable feel. But you know, really if you look at some of our, our products that are made out of our kind of un, unwashed, unweathered, you know, raw raw uh, type of denim, mm-hmm. I mean they're pretty substantial too. It, Really, the thing about Carhartt is that the duck has really become synonymous with with the durability. But we we try to make sure that that's part and parcel of what we do across the board, whether it sure. be denim or duck. Or, of course, for a long time we were doing a lot of painters drill products, which we still offer a pant in that. But all of the all of the same durability tra- kind of across the board is was our our attempt. But using things now like Cordura and you know, uh, fabrics and all that, especially in garments where we're reinforcing them. It's just kind Mm of sort of all these stair steps up from that original idea. And you just, you know, as technology advances, we just sort of meld it into these same sort of processes that we've had forever, you know, Mm -hmm. since the beginning. Now, I want to ask you if there are any products that at one time were big sellers, a kind of a main line of the Carhartt brand, that are no longer around, and I'll, I'll give you a hint at what I'm getting at. I really like brimmed hats, and I, I would love a brimmed Carhartt hat, but at this point, I don't know if I can find one. Was there ever any anything like that that has gone by the wayside? You know, I'm you're, you're going to test me now. I think there may have been some... So basically, the first time that we ever focused exclusively on hunting and the outdoors was a line that we did for a couple of years in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. We called it our Super Ducks hunting line. And it was kind of more high-end type hunting gear. I, there may have been a brimmed head in that line somewhere. But as far as mainline Carhartt stuff, I don't believe we've ever done anything other than like a railroad cap or sort of a style a little bit similar to that called a Halsey cap. And then in the 60s, we started making our first baseball caps. But I don't believe we've ever done a, a brim, you know, a real substantial brimmed hat like that. But now, you, now you're going to make me go dive back into the, <laughs> the archives again and maybe have to give you an addendum or something to, to post later. <laughs> yeah, episode two uh, with, right. with Dave Moore will be uh, the discovery of the Carhartt brimmed hat. Yeah, we'll see. You know, what's an interesting thing, though, that we're still looking for, and I would be remiss if I did not put this out there, was that from 1910 until 1912, there was actually a Carhartt Automobile Corporation. We tried our hand at making cars, uh, and we have yet to been able to track down a Carhartt automobile. So if anybody knows where one of those is, please contact us. (laughs) Man, can you imagine living back then when it was like, yeah, let's try making cars? I sure. <laughs> yeah, especially here in Detroit, man. Everybody, yeah. everybody was trying their hand. Uh, fantastic. Well, Dave, this is very, very interesting to me. It's it's really fascinating to hear about, and of course, I for no other reason than it just works so well, and I like it so much. I'm constantly decked out in Carhartt. I'm sitting here 
wearing Carhartt as we speak. I, I really enjoy hearing about the history and, and hearing about how these companies were formed even in the, in the uh, 19th century. It's amazing to me. If people want more information, they want to know more about this history, where can they go? Where, what can they look for? Well, I always encourage uh, them to visit Carhartt.com. Up near the top of the page, you're going to see a section called Discover. If you mouse over that, you'll see a history section. We try to get a new article in there uh, about every month about a different topic. Uh, and I would say also keep an eye on Carhartt's social media channels on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We do a lot of uh, heritage posting and also um, do do features on Instagram Live every once in a while where I actually get out and pull some things out of the archive and show them off. So those are definitely two places you can see more Carhartt history. Awesome. Well, thanks again. This has been great. Really enjoyed hearing about it. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Everybody, we will be right back with Deb Ferraro. In the thick of winter, it's time to think about a thick, full lawn. No, really. At DMB Supply, we plan ahead and carry Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed so you can get a head start, too. For a better lawn this spring, limit foot traffic on those brittle leaves of grass. Sharpen your mower blades and schedule lawn feedings by creating reminders on your phone or calendar. Then pick up some Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed on your next trip to your favorite DMB Supply. At D&B Supply, we believe happiness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes to our pets. So give them Hill Science Diet for many happy wags and purrs. Using only high-quality ingredients, Hill Science Diet is expertly crafted for lifelong health. With formulas for every age, size, and special nutritional requirements, from joint care, oral health, and weight management, it's the number one choice of vets to feed their pets. Keep your pet happy-go-lucky and pick up Hill Science Diet at D&B. Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. This is exciting to me. I wear Carhartt every single day and love the story of your company, so it's really exciting for me to get to dig deeper into it and learn more about it. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Well, what I'd like to do is just have you, if you would, just introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us about uh, your position with Carhartt and how long you've been there. Okay, so... I am the Vice President of Product Development, and I have been with Carhartt a little over 26 years now. Uh, so I've seen the company grow quite a bit over the um, over that time and also introduce a lot of uh, really exciting products. So just to tell you a little bit about uh, product development, so my team is uh, responsible for uh, developing the fabrics that go into the product. And, you know, we're known for our durability and our durability and our quality starts, you know, with the fabric first. So it's really important that we do, you know, a lot of research on fabrics and work with mills to to make sure we get a good quality um, product at the end. Mm -hmm. My counterpart is uh, the vice president of product design. And so Ben Ben's team works on the, you know, on the product design piece of it. And then my team executes to that vision of the of the product. So coming up with the the fabrics to meet that, also the specifications that go into the product. So we have a uh, what we call it, referred to as a tech pack for the, each product that we make. And my team works on on that along with development fabrics, trims, color, and and things like that. So yeah. So like I said, I've been here for a little bit over 26 years. And when I started way back then, it was mostly just our traditional product of, you know, our, our um, cotton duck and outerwear and bibs we were mostly known for and, and also some pants. Um, and now we've expanded the line into T-shirts, shorts, woven shirts, 
sweatshirts, um, and really a full full offering of product. Pretty much anything that uh, the consumer could need for a workday, we we make today. Well, that's really interesting, and it's it's interesting you talk about sourcing materials for durability. When I interviewed Dave Moore prior to speaking with you, I made a joke with him that I, I have a, a jacket that I bought when I worked on a ranch in southern Idaho in 1999, and I'm still using it. And so I, I just, other than vanity, I have no reason to, to buy a new Carhartt jacket. It still works perfectly. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, durability is extremely important to our end user. And um, to us as a brand, too. I mean, that's one of our, our pillars of the brand is, and the DNA of it is how durable it is. And so, really, it's, you know, part of my job to make sure that the new products that we come out with um, uphold the legacy of the Carhartt name and live up to that durability. So, we've had to take that durability of, like, that jacket that you own and mm-hmm. how do we translate that into a thing like a T-shirt? Yeah. Because if you are familiar with that jacket and you love how durable and long-lasting it's been, you will expect to have that similar type of experience with uh, with a T-shirt or, or any other product that you buy from us. Well, you brought up the, the legacy of this company. Going back all the way to 1889 is fascinating to me. What does it mean to you to, to work for a company with so much history behind it? it? It is just such a great thing. I mean, there's so much history to this company and how it was founded. Um, I don't know if Dave Moore shared with you a little bit about how it was founded with Hamilton Carhartt making bib overalls for uh, for the railroad workers. Yeah. You know, we still live by some of the practices that he put in place way back when, in, you know, in 1889. You know, the first and foremost, everything that we do is centered around our end user. So we know who um, is wearing our product. So what was referred to as a consumer, right? So the end user, who buys and and wears our product. We're inspired by the hard work that they do and how they work. And how can we make, through product, how can we make their work life easier? How can we make them more comfortable? So like you mentioned this morning, you were out um, feeding your livestock. Mm -hmm. And it might have been cold or rainy. So we're thinking about how can we keep you warm, keep you dry, and also for the way that you're having to move around, throw in hay bales or whatever, making sure that the clothing you're wearing isn't going to inhibit the work that you need to do. So really, again, taking that inspiration from how the company was founded, uh-huh. um, you know, with Hamilton Carr, he went out, talked to the railroad workers and, and figured out what they needed. You know, he, he tried a couple things. He got them to wear test it. They came back and made improvements and, and kept refining. That's that's really the practice we do today to, to launch new products. So it's very inspiring, the history. And it's interesting what you talk about in terms of trying to make it to where it keeps you dry, it keeps you warm, but it also allows you the freedom of movement so you can actually work. So how do you test that? Do you have people who still work in railroad industry, people that work in agriculture or construction that, that are actually out testing products for you? How do, how do you determine what's really working? So we have a, um, we have a, a team here at Carhartt. There are uh, what we call our consumer insights team. So they work with our end users and we have a database. It varies anywhere between 2,500 up to 5,000 people that are in our database that we can use to have them complete surveys for us about, you know, product. We also do what we call field testing. So as we're working on a new product, Mm -hmm. we can send it out 
to usually about 36 of the people in the crew. And we have, have them wear it for a certain amount of time, and then they fill out information, they send pictures, and we take then their feedback and incorporate that into making the product better. Interesting. So how does this work? Say, we'll use me as an example for a moment. So Mm -hmm. uh, this morning I had my bibs on uh, and then I had a Rain Defender hoodie on and I was out Uh feeding cattle, feeding the pigs and I was up and down off the tractor, opening gates, uh, loading hay bales and stuff like that. So how do you test in real world conditions like that for the usability? Are those 35 people you're talking about, are they out in those particular industries that you're targeting? Yes, they are. So they are real, they're real workers and, you know, we send product out and we, we even, uh, depending on what type of product we're launching, we may be looking for a certain occupation. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we have in the database, we have what occupation they're doing and we ask questions about, you know, the conditions that they work in to understand what they're working in. And then they have to also record, they almost have to journal wearing the product to give us, you know, to make sure we're getting the right information too. How many, how many times in the week did they wear it? Mm-hmm. How many times did they wash it? What, what were they doing? What were the conditions? And again, journaling their feedback and, um, and taking that into consideration. And then plus also we're constantly receiving feedback through, through our website too. You as a, a, as a user can go on there and post a review about a product that, that you like. So we're scouring that information, too, to see, you know, where are their failures. Also, we have a great customer service team, and they'll take phone calls and, and log in information about, um, about product, too. Interesting. Well, whatever you're doing, I know it's working because everywhere I go, it's Carhartt everywhere. And, of course, I'm associated with people that are out working in the elements and, and things like that. But uh, and, and I continue to use it and have used it for years. So I, I love the brand. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about technology and maybe some new things that will be coming out here soon. Okay, great. Thank you. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. No matter where work takes you, D&B Supply makes it easy to get the job done with DeWalt FlexVolt Tools. With advanced battery technology, DeWalt FlexVolt Tools gives you the power of freedom to work without cords. For construction, remote job sites, and outdoor projects, the heavy-duty FlexVolt line offers everything from hammer drills to table saws to air compressors and more. So get out there and get to work with DeWalt FlexVolt Power Tools. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Deb. Well, again, I'm fascinated talking about this. I, I really do enjoy this. And I wanted to ask you about the Rain Defender. So I've got a couple Rain Defender hooded sweatshirts now. And this is something I just discovered about two, three years ago. And of course, grabbed them as quickly as I could. And they really work well. How did that technology come about? And is it secret? Or can you tell us how you do it? So, well, first of all, I'll, I'll tell you about how it came about. So I mentioned how, you know, with our process, we really focus on the end user and understanding, you know, how they live, how they work, and the elements that they work in. And uh, and actually, our product teams 
go out into the field and go to what we call job site visits. Mm-hmm. So they come to like your farm and would be observing how you work and how you do, you know, do your your, your job. That gives us ideas of the conditions and, and what they might be looking for. So Rain Defender was something, you know, we heard from our end users that, you know, they didn't say, oh, we want this. We, again, observing that they're working in, you know, in, in wet conditions. And, you know, one of our, our marketing slogans are actually work days don't have rain delays. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if you're playing sports, it starts raining. What do you do? You clear the field for the most part. Oh, but who's actually out on the field? It's the workers that are covering up the field so it's not getting wet and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we know that, that the, the workers got to get out there and, and work in different conditions. And so... We came up with the uh, the rain defender, and it's actually a, a durable water repellency that's put on the fabric, and it's not meant to be waterproof. So if it is, you know, if it's a steady hard rain, you you might get wet. But this is meant to just beat off the the rain and give you a little bit more time out there without being uncomfortable. Also, it's great. The rain defender is great for snowy conditions because if the, the snow melts, it will beat up and the water will beat up and, and shed off the garment. But yeah, that is something newer. And again, it was inspired through a job site visit and observing the consumer and seeing how the end user and seeing how they're, how they're working and, and the conditions they work in. That's a, extremely important to us is to understand the conditions. And we like to say too, is, you know, understanding the elements, what are the elements they're working in? Is it you know, if they're outside, is it going to be rainy? Could it be snowy? And actually, if you're in, you know, Michigan like we are, it could be all of those conditions in one day. Yeah. You could have, you know, wind, yeah. rain, snow, sleet, you know, everything all in one. And it could end up, you know, we have extreme swings of temperature, too. So we want to make sure we have product that will hold up within all those conditions. Now, is the Rain Defender, is that technology, is that being expanded to anything else? And I'm asking selfishly, maybe about bibs. Is that going to be involved with bibs? So some of our bibs have a water repellency on them now. So our firm duck has a, uh, but it doesn't hold into the fabric as long. That's some of the older technology, older fabrics that we run, but some of the bibs do, will beat up a little bit. But yeah, we are expanding. So Rain Defender is one of the technologies we're looking to expand into not only bibs, but pants on a lot of our outerwear and even, you know, more sweatshirts too and more shirts because we know that, that again, the workers really think that that's an, that's an important feature. And again, we're always looking at how do we continue to evolve workwear to be more comfortable, right? Because if you're, if you're uncomfortable, you're thinking about your, and if you're uncomfortable because you're closed, you're thinking about that uncomfort and not concentrating on the work that you have to do. And in certain cases, I mean, that could cause injury or accident or things like that. So comfort, overall comfort is extremely important. And and really that comfort can be from rain. So if you're wet and you're soggy, it's going to be harder for you to do the work you need to do. You know, if your jacket or your sweatshirt is binding to you, it doesn't have good range of motion, then, you know, you're not thinking about concentrating on your work you're thinking about that uncomfort yeah that makes a lot of sense and and that brings me into my next question is that carhartt you know it doesn't just work well but it also looks very good and especially i love the the look of the jackets and things that are kind of old world or more uh just working outdoors type look 
when you're designing something or there's a new product coming out, what percentage of the development is based on function as opposed to fashion, I guess, making it look good? So function is the most important thing to us. And really, our form or our design follows function. And, you know, and that is really the the authenticity or the legacy of Carhartt is to be extremely functional. So we're thinking about, you know, of course, having a nice look to it is is a plus. Uh, We don't ever want to you know, develop or design products that, that are ugly per se, <laughs> right. but they have to be functional. So for example, pockets, we always want to make sure that we understand, you know, what could be the possible use for that pocket. So if it's to hold a cell phone, we want to make sure that the cell phone fits properly, you know, the pockets big enough to get the hand into and things like that. So functionality is top of the list for us. And you know, again, the aesthetic, the look of the product is important, but it follows after the functionality piece. Now, 2019, here we are, a couple months into it. Are, are there any new products coming out or anything in the pipeline that you'd like to share with us? So we do have um, a few new products. Um, one of the things I know we've talked a lot about, you know, bibs and sweatshirts and things like that. I do want to mention our women's offering fairly new, you know, Carhartt's 130 years old. And, mm-hmm. and in that time, throughout history, we have made products for women, but uh, we now have a, a really good offering of women's workwear. And we are just launching our lightweight uh, women's utility legging. And uh, we've had a heavier weight one in the line for a couple of years now. And the um, inspiration behind that was the product team's going to equestrian to, you know, horse farms and things like that Mm -hmm. and seeing women working in yoga pants. Uh And they said they love the range of motion they get, but the durability wasn't there. You know, they they rub up against a fence or the barn and, and, you know, the, the pant wouldn't hold up. And so the team came back and really took it to heart and said, okay, how can we come up with something that has the range of motion like a yoga pant, but with the durability of a, um, a work pant. And so we came up with the utility legging. That's a great pant, lots of pockets and things like that, and very functional, but super comfortable, super stretchy. And then for spring 19, uh, we launched a lightweight version of that. My wife is going to love those. I have to go out and get her a pair of those immediately. Yes, for sure. I I wear them almost every day. They're just super comfortable and and they look good in the office, but they hold up on, you know, to do work in also. So that's one thing, the utility legging. But um, also we have rainwear pieces that we're referring to as our um, dry harbor. So it's a jacket and a pant. And, you know, I know we talked a lot about rain defender of how that will beat up, you know, the rain and and keep you dry for, for some time. But if you're going to be in a really rainy condition, you need true rainwear. So the dry harbor is part of our storm defender. And so that means it is a waterproof, breathable jacket and pant that can be worn over, you know, either by itself with a t-shirt or, or layered up to for a little bit colder weather. So that's also new in the line. And let's see, let's, what else is new? Those are some of the bigger product launches. And we just continue to to expand our offering in the Rain Defender with our sweatshirts. As I mentioned, we also have a great offering of t-shirts, not only our, our basic cotton tee, pocket tee, but then also our Force Delmont series of t-shirts that offer 
uh, wicking and also stain, what we call stain breaker, which will help eliminate the stains when you wash it. So, yeah, so, you know, we've Carhartt now went from a, a bibs and an outerwear company to a full line of product. And I, I was, uh, you know, I've got to ask you this. I'm so old school. I'd love mm-hmm. a, a brimmed Carhartt hat. Yeah. <laughs> a brimmed Carhartt hat. Okay. We'll have to take a look at uh, that. So are you talking about like a, a like a fishing hat type of a, a hat? You know, like a like a rain hat, like a something. You know, oh, like like yeah. you would have seen in the uh, in the nineteen forties or nineteen fifties. I'm just inserting uh, myself I'll right have... into your product development team right now. Yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to pass that on to the team and uh-huh. see what they can come up with. No, I was uh, I was joking with with Dave about that on on his interview, and I knew I was since you're in, you're the yeah. VP of product development, I've got to pitch it. You know, my own selfish <laughs> desire here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Well, Deb, yeah. you've got a ton of information, and uh, I really love the brand. Really love being able to uh, to use it every day, and I have for years. It's amazing to me how it holds up. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today, and and for giving us all this great information. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I, like always, I always enjoy talking about Carhartt. It's one of my favorite subjects, so I'm thrilled to, to be part of your show. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>